1: What up, what up, what up, though? Ball hawk show.
0: Yeah. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Bricklayers and ball shorts, coaching from the side of the ball court. If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you
1: know about the carport, them trap supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know, that's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If
0: you know, you know. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amal Hawkins. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to the latest episode of the show. Today's episode, we will be... Recapping the orange bowl that took place yesterday, last night at 8 p.m. between the Virginia Cavaliers and the Florida Gators. Before we get started, salute to my sponsor, Abra Insurance. Go to Abrainsurance.net for all your insurance needs. That's home, business, auto, life insurance. Holla at the good people, Billy and Charlene White at Able Insurance and tell them the ball hawk sent you. Go get that insurance, man. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Able Insurance net. So uh, let's jump into it, man. Not going to be a long podcast. Uh, since it was the last game of the year, I want to really get into the analysis and not get caught up in the numbers. But I, I, I do want to give my fans that love numbers, they're just due starting off this podcast. So we'll definitely recap the numbers. The final score was 36 to 28. The Florida Gators defeated the Virginia Cavaliers. When we look at the numbers, the stats, uh, Florida had 25 first down to UVA's 20. Net rushing was the biggest jump out. Florida came into this game averaging less yards rushing per game than UVA, but they doubled that total. They had 244 yards rushing on 34 attempts. UVA was limited to just 52 yards rushing. Net passing. Florida had three hundred and five. They came in averaging around three hundred yards passing the game. UVA had three hundred and twenty-three yards passing. That's the most um any offense has generated through the air versus Florida. That's even, you know, LSU I think is the only team that threw for over three hundred yards versus this Florida defense. Now, granted, Florida was without their top defensive back, CJ Henderson, who sat out for the draft and in my pregame show, um, my preview show I didn't really have confirmation I know it was rumblings but I approached it like he was going to play that's why you heard me talking about CJ Henderson as if he was playing because I didn't want to put out there that he wasn't playing and then he jumped out there so I wanted to prepare you know as if he was out there so but the Wahoos were successful throwing the ball in the air this is versus you know another top flight defense so um that was very encouraging total offensive yards Florida led the way with 549 yards of total offense. Uh, UVA had 375. Florida ran 73 total plays. UVA ran 62 total plays. Time of possession. uh, Florida won that battle. 31 minutes, 51 seconds. UVA had the ball for 28 minutes and 9 seconds. Now... Florida dominated the second quarter. They had the ball for 11 minutes to, this, to just UVA's three minutes. And that was their, well, I guess it wasn't their most explosive offensive period. But that's what you actually wanted to see. You know, you limited the big plays in the second quarter if you're UVA defense. And the defense got better and better as the game wore on. And when we get into the analytical part of the podcast, I'll talk about what I saw on film. I just finished watching. The coaches copied the end zone and the sideline, and um, I really can see what Coach Nick Howard was doing defensively and how it affected the Florida game as it progressed and also offensively, what I saw. So uh, once I get through these numbers, we'll talk about what took place. Um, Individual stats, uh, Trask had, like I said, 305 yards uh, passing, one touchdown, one interception. He was sacked one time. Bryce Perkins was 28 or 40 in his final game as a Wahoo, 323 yards, four touchdowns to just one interception. And it was sacked three times. He led us in rushing, um, with the sack yards, he had negative 17 yards. So that took his 41 game down to just 24 yards rushing. Uh, Wayne Tyler Papa had five carries for 14 yards. Joe Reed had two carries for 14 yards. Uh, P. Ryan, 13 carries, 138 yards, two touchdowns. Um, 61 of those came on one carry. That was the third play of the game um, that kind of put him over the top. Um, And this was his most productive game of the season because they didn't run the ball that much all year. Uh, Trask had 37 yards rushing as well. Receiving, Terrell Janna led the way in yards. He had 126 yards on seven catches, one touchdown. Asis Dubois, in this final game as Wahoo, 10 catches, 83 yards, two touchdowns. Tanner Cowley, three catches, 60 yards. We hit him on the scene one time. That was beautiful. Um, I wish we would have went to him more in this scene. Uh, but, you know, the big the big body tight end, the touchdown engineer, man, uh, came on late all year and, and had some big catches. Joe Reed had seven catches for 52 yards and a touchdown. And Billy Kemp had just one catch for two yards. Uh, for Florida, Jefferson led the way six catches, 129 yards. Cleveland had three catches for 51 yards. P. had five catches for 43 yards in a touchdown. Their do-it-all do, do tight end Pitts was limited to just three catches, 39 yards, and one of those was a 20-yard game. Swain only had three, three catches for 21 yards. Um, when we look at the defensive side of the ball, we was without Jordan Mack. Uh, Zane Zandia led the way with 13 total tackles, one tackles for a loss. Chris Moore. Has seven tackles. Devontae Cross has six tackles. Uh, Charles Snowden, five tackles, one tackle, four loss, and a sack. Uh, Devontae also had a pass breakup. Noah Taylor had two pass breakups, two tackles, four loss, and five tackles. Joy Blunt had five tackles and a pass breakup. Nick Jackson, who started for Jordan Mack, had four tackles. Aaron Famui had four tackles. Nick Grant, three tackles, one pass breakup, and a helified diving interception. Eli Handback in this last game as a Wahoo had three tackles. Uh Mandy Alonzo, 305 zone, two tackles, one tackle for a loss. Uh Bernie had one tackle. King had a tackle. Gam had a tackle, and Hayden Mitchell had a tackle. So those are your numbers for the game. Some post-game notes. Um Virginia is now eight and thirteen all time in bowl games. Some player notes: Aces Dubois. We talked about his reception and receiving yards. He becomes just the fourth Cavalier to amass one thousand yards of receiving in the season. He finished the year with one thousand sixty-two receiving yards, and that's back to back because Alameda uh, had a thousand yards last season. Now you have cease with a thousand yards. that's just adds to the resume of Coach Marcus Haggins and the phenomenal job he's doing with his unit. Of just, you know, teaching these young men the fundamentals. And, and you see it because this next line um, is a demonstration of the wide receiving group. Jesus Dubois, Joe Reed, and Terrell Janna all finished the season with 70-plus receptions. It's the first time in program history UVA had multiple 70-plus reception receivers. You had three receivers in this offense with 70 plus receptions not bad for a running back playing quarterback you know you know Bryce Perkins was basically getting a Lamar Jackson treatment that he's getting for the Baltimore Rays right now a lot of people just wasn't a firm believer in the throwing ability of Bryce Perkins you had a lot of folks that's just saying oh he can't throw the deep ball or he can't throw that ball and all he did was work on his craft and it's evident in the numbers people love data everything's data driven now and it amazes me when you can uh rebuttal with numbers how a numbers person can kind of try to dismiss them like it means nothing 70 plus receptions for three receivers a quarterback that can't throw is not going to have that type of accomplishment with the unit you feel me? Uh, Perkins finished with 347 yards of total offense to set a UVA record with 7,910 yards of total offenses in his career. He passed Sean Moore's 7,897. And I saw some tweets where, you know, folks are. I hate com- comparative stats when it comes to people from the same university because it's like. You don't have to try to say he did it in two years compared to he did it in four years. As the game evolves, it should take you less years to break a record that took place way back in the 90s when it was a run first offense pro style set to receivers option. So that's why I think folks got to realize how they frame certain tweets, because you may not you may, you know, we're, we're praising Perkins, but it seems like in the praise you gotta diminish what somebody did before him just say hey he did it in two years it's phenomenal with the evolution of the game it should take you less times and time and it shows you just how special bryce was because i mean he rewrote our record books through the air and total yards like the kid is just a phenomenal player in itself and i think you know You see a lot of folks say, hey, he only did it in two years, and it took Sean Moore four years where, I mean, like I said, we understand the times, but Bryce is top five dead of a lie no matter what. Um, But let's move on. Um, Perkins has thrown seven career touchdown passes in UVA bowl games, including three last year in the Belk Bowl. He owns the UVA bowl record with seven career bowl touchdown passes. Perkins surpassed his own bowl record with four touchdown passes. Uh, Perkins moving to second all-time U- at UVA in career, 200-yard passing games with 16 and third and 300-yard passing games in five. Uh, Brian Delaney finished the season third on UVA's single-season scoring list with 110 points. Terrell Janna finished with 126 receiving yards, his third 100-yard receiving game this season. And Joe Reed had 98 all-purpose yards to surpass the great Terry Kirby for fifth all-time at UVA in all-purpose yards with 4,679. So salute to Joe B., Salute to the guard Bryce Perkins man For his phenomenal career Salute to Hasis Dubois and his phenomenal career that, that young man has come a long way And it's just a testament to his hard work A testament to the coaching staff um, Teaching him accountability And you know he, he ran with it You know so I love Hassiz, man that, that's, that's my guy puppy patrol man that's my guy so paw patrol I me mean. so let's get into the analyticals you know what i'm saying so let's let's get into the breakdown of what i saw in the game what you saw in the tv copy and how we can combine the two so i watched the game um i was here at solaceville just worked from the studio then came home watched the game with my wife and kids and um you know for the tv copy it just seemed like um it took us two quarters to truly get acclimated For the speed of the game and the importance and the level of the game. And what I mean by that is the little things usually go out the window the quickest when the level of the game elevates. You feel what I'm saying? Like the stage. Like this was a big stage. The Orange Bowl is a big stage. I know you play in the ACC Championship. You play Clemson. But trying to rebound off the Clemson and understanding that the level's still there. And understanding the sense of urgency that Florida played with and, and the overall team speed that they had As as far as you didn't know who was going to hit you And where they was going to hit you You saw some ago type of complacency On the defensive side of the ball With just playing too high You know, on the first touchdown run By their running back um, I saw Zane use his outside shoulder to kind of spill Meaning he was forcing the defender to go to the C-gap uh, you had Snowden on the outside I don't know if he was trying to two gap If he was responsible for the C gap To make the, the running back bounce All the way out to the corner Or was he more responsible by not allowing the, the running back to get outside of him Regardless we had a free man And that was Devontae Cross And he got lax He got too high He kind of bounced and in his mid bounce He realized the back was breaking free And as he tried to plant his foot went outside his framework He slipped and fell That caused him to miss a tackle. Um, If you're alert and you're playing with great body lean, you don't have to shift your weight. And that's what I mean by being lax, taking the little things for granted. And that's how he slipped and fell. Then you had Chris Moore, who was bailing to the middle of the field, um, not really identifying that it was a run play. He saw the ball late and he just took a bad angle. Um, He opened up the gate to race the running back to try to use the sideline as a defender and he got outran and um, that's how they scored in the first touchdown um, then as the game progressed you can see that we wasn't really trying to pressure their quarterback we're using three man rush we're using Noah as a spy and Snowden as a spy to try to get their big paws up on the ball and they got that done even Joey Blunt came down the first play of the game got his hand on the ball we, got, we batted down three different or four different passes um Nick Grant had a phenomenal interception where he looked for work. He was playing a deep third. The first receiver went on the post. He saw the inside. They was basically running a divide concept. Outside receiver runs a post. Inside receiver runs a corner. And um, we had a nice little twist where Bernie came free. The quarterback couldn't step up, so he anticipated the receiver coming out of his route. Nick did a great job of looking for work and not just being a robot. He planted, came downhill, and had a great individual effort in which he made a dive and interception. They played right into our hands. You know, we, we kept the ball in front of us. Ran a three-man stunt. It got home. Boom, it worked. As the quarter went on, we wasn't as disciplined in our run fits as Coach Bronco Minahar and Nick Howell would like to see in Coach Papinga. And you can see it. You can just see the indecisiveness as far as guys trusting that their partner would be beside them. Now, granted, Jordan Mack's not there. You got Nick Jackson there. A lot of the times... It seems like the flow was coming back to Zane and Zane was doing a good job of being the free guy, being the free guy from the inside out. But it's just seemed like it could be a corner or a safety. We would just collide with each other. One time Nick Grant came and just collided with the outside backer who was holding the edge but all of a sudden what we call they what we call it is you you shoot with your hands right you understand you're anchoring the outside but a lot of times you could get caught peeking and you dip your head inside and when you dip your head inside your teammate's not going to follow the same color in that gap so if you dip your head inside the DB is going to play opposite of you so you can see Nick trying to play opposite of the outside backer and he got tripped up by his own man and the running back from Florida got outside and outflanked us and got a big game. And a lot of times when you look at us in pass coverage, we played very soft, a lot of soft combo zones, um, keeping everything in front of us, keeping things, you know, at bay, trying to play bend, do break defense. Because as you get close to the red zone, now the offense has to come to you. OK, but the, the most disheartening thing was our inability to finish. We couldn't tackle well. In the first half, we did not tackle well at all across the board, in my opinion. Like we were just grabbing for legs instead of just closing space, bringing your hips and fitting guys up. You know, midsection the chest, fit them up. We were just trying to grab thighs, grab ankles, and just they was just coming out of it. And as the game progressed to the second quarter, and I'm gonna just skip to stay on the defensive theme. You saw we made adjustments coming out in the second quarter. We used a lot of four-man rushes opposed to just three-man rushes now put us more as a disadvantage on the back end but with that four-man rush it closed up the passing windows and the lanes in which the quarterback can see so now you don't have though even with the four-man rush we started sitting more in the hook the curl zones so they still wanted to run their meshes and hammer routes on the outside, but we started sitting more. And I tweeted out, I expect in the second half for our corners to really start sitting on those shorter routes, forcing deeper throws and seeing if the quarterback is willing to take shots down the field. There were times he had guys wide open in the scene. There were times he had guys wide open up the sideline, but he wasn't pulling the trigger because the rush in the pocket was collapsing. So that was Coach Nick Howell and Papinga coming together, saying, hey, if we're going to lose, we're going to lose doing what we do. We're going to start devising up more four- and five-man rushes, really putting pressure on him, and really coming up and challenging receivers more. And we did that, and that's how we started getting stops. And I really liked that we started being more aggressive. Um, But the tackling still was our Achilles heel. The tackling was our Achilles' heel. We just could not tackle the foot, the footwork, and 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 just our body lean was just terrible from the secondary. Like guys would come up and slip. It's so many times we slipped in the red. I remember one time Joy even slipped. He was the unblocked free guy, and his foot got outside of his framework, and that's just. Having the correct body lean, not being—I call it being lax. You know, like when you're not unsure where the ball is at, versus really closing the gap in a nice football, teachable football stance. So if the ball does show to your side, you there. You got a two-way go. I just think guys start bouncing, and when they're gliding up to the line of scrimmage and they're closing space, and they start to bounce, they get caught mid-bounce. They try to plant their foot down because they're reacting with their quick twitch muscle. And their feet get out the framework of their body. And that happens. And, and and you know what, man? It's just the transition. You feel what I'm saying? Like, you, you hear coaches, you heard the Florida coach talking about, you know, 10 wins. And this year we went to 11 wins, how it was hard to go from 10 wins to 11 wins. And next year we're trying to go from 11 wins to 12 wins. It's no different than UVA. You, you got to crawl before you walk. It's steps. Yes, it would have been great to get to those 10 wins, but we can't. Negate the level That we were playing at As far as the stage Like We could go to the Clemsons Of the world Right With uh, Deshaun Watson When they finally got To the national championship Versus Alabama That first time You saw the plays That were left out there Because that level Was something They wasn't used to Bama was No matter how great Of a player Deshaun Watson was No matter How great of a player the, the, The cast he had Around him The familiarity for the Alabama staff and players of being on that stage allows them to weather storms, allows them to make those timely plays. So you saw Florida make timely plays, whether it's the fourth and one, even though it was a hold on Chris Moore, whether it was the timely screen route that they ran, the timely uh, draw play, a timely inside zone on fourth. Like just timely plays where It was a fourth and six, and it went five wide and identified that we know you are depleted in the secondary. What are you going to do when we go five wide? We're going to spread you out. And you saw we put Joy Blunt way deep in the middle of the field, and now you have a receiver one-on-one versus Nick Jackson. And even if that's Jordan Mack, it doesn't matter, in my opinion. That's the matchup you want period you got an inside backer versus one of their top receivers in the slot two-way go it was an option route is what we call why option he was either going to give you some juice and sit down at the sticks or he gave you some juice and cross your face and when he gave nick some juice and nick widened out because nick did the right thing you gotta play the noun it's like a sight adjustment you gotta anticipate that first move and then he got across his face And he did what he was taught too They get across your face, secure the tackle We line up again So as much as we saying, oh if that was Jordan That wouldn't have happened I beg to differ because As much as as I, as I love my squad As a former receiver I like that matchup That's that's not a good matchup And they did the appropriate thing Now me personally I, I, I hope we would have just came down And just challenged them you know, brung Joey Blunt down, or, or Chris Moore down, but those guys aren't true cover guys either. So they still got the matchup they wanted. Because if you have any one of your better receivers in the slot, unless it's your top cover guy, they barbecue chicken. We we and when I talk to about talk about the offense, matter of fact, I go back to the Clemson game when Hasees had number nineteen for Clemson, the safety. He was he was barbecue chicken, cause that's a safety. A true safety isn't going to check one of your better receivers. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. In the slot, two-way go, no help, uh uh-uh. It's murder, she wrote. So that's why I tip my hat to Florida for identifying that, hey, they're missing their top fight corner just like we are. We're going to spread them out. We understand Virginia's been playing base defense. They've been using 14 Noah Taylor as the joker. He's either been... You know, at the line of scrimmage, he's been playing the curl flats. He's been playing the sail. Like, 14's moving around. We understand that. So, when we need to play, let's spread them out. And that's what they did. They went five wide. We wasn't switching the nickel. Heskin wasn't coming in. We didn't put Heskin in the game and, and pull Noah out or pull Snowden out or pull Nick Jackson out or pull Zane out. We played base defense, ladies and gentlemen. Like, look at the game. Since, matter, matter of fact, since Brenton Nelson went down, we really started going to base defense. We're using Noah as the nickel, the hybrid. He's like number 11 for Clemson. That's Noah for us. Like Noah's going to be a top flight defender in this country because he's demonstrating he has range. He could play everything. I mean, he was basically playing like strong safety last night. It was a couple times on film when I saw him dropping as a third, as a deep third safety on the hash. The kid's phenomenal, yo. Noah Taylor is phenomenal. Charles Snowden, what can you say about him? He's asked to rush. He's asked to cover. He's asked to do a lot. And Todd McShay was raving about just their length, their range. Like, the defense is going to be nasty next year, fam. It's going to be nasty. And I hear Richard Bernie coming back for a six-year. Yo, I'm telling you. But um, just overall, you just saw we made adjustments. We got some stops in the second half. Now, let's flip to the offense side of the ball. I don't want to get too long winded, but I don't want to sell people short because I understand how big of a ball game this was. And people really want to get down to the X's of those. Now, offense started out with a three and out, right? Got a little feel of what they wanted to do. Uh, we saw they were using both of their backers. They were basically using their base package as well. They were using three and two backers. They was flip-flopping. But a lot of the times, they were playing, you know, off man on the outside, using two inside backers to spy Bryce. Uh, we saw that. Uh, we came out, hit him with a short pass. Then we gave the ball to Tyler Popper, got to a third down, tried to run a quarterback power. Two spies identified that. They stopped us. We got the pick by Nick Grant. We came back in with a fake smoke screen And go to Janna A dime was thrown A great catch by Janna was made um, As the game progressed Anytime we attacked In between the numbers Meaning the hashes They were barbecue chicken They were absolutely barbecue chicken Whether it was the tight end and uh, at Cowley, Whether it was Hasiz Whether it was Joe Whether it was Janna It didn't matter They were barbecue chicken And I said this On the pregame Episode The reason why The middle of the field Is going to be Open When you have a dude Threat quarterback Is because Majority of these teams Are going to use Both backers as spies They're going to Bank on The pass rush To get home The fact that they got Two guys waiting on A dude threat quarterback Meaning It's not It's going to discourage the the dual threat to really climb the pocket, the, you know, because they're going to press him. They're not just going to sit five yards as he goes with thousand one, one thousand two. They're going to do a delayed rush, meaning if they see a back standing in the pocket with Bryce, they're going to clamp him. They're going to just close space and go right to the back to make sure he doesn't release late, and then they're going to rush. But they're closing the gap. So anytime on TV. You think that, oh, man, Bryce could have ran. When you look at the coach's copy from the end zone, you see that that linebacker actually has closed the gap so much that he can't really get through that gap. It looks like on TV he can. Hindsight is 20-20. You're like, oh, Bryce should have took off then. But Bryce is looking at the scene. One time he had Jana, you know, working um a dig route, just an inside dig route, and the DB did a great job of walling him off. And you saw Bryce really waiting for him. And um, I saw some folks saying on Twitter when you know when Bryce stepped up, and um, I, don't, I think he only had like, like a three yard gain I was like, man if Bryce would have took off early, he would have had a big gain but when you look at the end- zone copy, the backer's right in his path. like he he can't tuck it because the backer's right there. Like soon as he wanted to go to Jan, that's when the backer actually pressed the pocket and actually jumped outside, and then Bryce got inside, but the DN did a great job of peeling back falling off and, and tackling him. So as much as the T V copy we always, you know, when we speak in and we're giving live commentary during the game, we're thinking, oh man, he could have did this. The end zone copy you you get to see with the quarterback season, he couldn't really press and and and, and, and Florida was doing a great job of that too. They were doing a great job. And it took Coach to really get into his groove as far as really identifying what Florida was really trying to do. They started Changing up schemes. Um, they were running some twists. They were running some five man games late. Anytime they ran a five man blitz, we would gash them. We would get the ball out quick. But anytime coach and I wanted to really run long, developing route combination, that's when we got in trouble. Um, it was times where coach really wanted to take a shot so they wouldn't sit on us, but we were actually impeding. Um, Our Florida game Because I felt like We could have really stayed With a short passing game And again High on is 2020 But I felt like We could have stayed With a short passing game Because they never demonstrated They were truly Jumping the routes To threaten Our short passing game Anytime we went With just a hammer out On the hashes Those guys covering Our slot guys With barbecue chicken Like they couldn't stop them And you saw At the end of the third quarter When we ran the RPO The senior route to Cowley no, that's not. Before we get to that, the drive in which Bryce missed back to back throws first was the RPO. Um, he pulled it. He slid outside the pocket and Cowley got outside the corner. He underthrew him. And then the next one, we hit the call. They sent the, uh, a, a trigger from the nickel and Hasita did a great job of freezing the free safety on the hash and ran a fade. And the offensive line and, and the back did a great job of sliding protection and picking up the blitzer, and he missed that throw. Um, before that, he actually missed Janna on the throw um, earlier in that quarter um, up the has. He was wide open. He did a great job of understanding uh, that there was running road coverage. So those are the three throws that jumped out to me that he missed that would have went for touchdowns. Now, yeah, you score with that Janna throw, different ball game. Add on to it, you score on one of those throws versus, you know, between Cowley and Dubois. Yeah, it's a totally different game. Take it back to the fumble. They call that fumble right? Yes, it's a different game. But that's what I mean. That's the levels, right? You crawl before you walk. And a lot of, I see a lot of people like really asking me, you know, with the more victory piece that Coach Bronco, you know, admitted like, yeah, it's a more victory. It's more victories at certain levels. When you're building a program and you're trying to reach levels and you're trying to ascend, as you ascend, yes, you identify more victory because you use those as building blocks. You either win or you learn. So when you lose, the more victory is the learning piece. You start to pick out plays, right? Pick out plays like, okay, as we get better, we'll start making those plays. You go from the 2-10 and ten season to the six wins, and you, you compare those two seasons, right? So when you're 2-10, and ten and then as you start winning games, and you finally get to that bowl game, you look at that season, and you get to Navy, and you get punched in the mouth, you start to look back and you understand that that game set a precedence because you start to pull from what you learn on your preparation piece and executing that first bowl game. Right. Or you go back during the season and you see how we didn't finish certain games and you pull from that piece. And then you take the next year when we won eight games. Right. But we let the pit game get away. You pull from those pieces and then you look at Georgia Tech, how you came up short even though you were outmanned because you really had two true D linemen, and you understand that you were playing against a team like Georgia Tech who wants to run down your throat. So the more victory in that sense is, yeah, we know we only had this, but look at it schematically how we collectively came together as a unit, and this this and this happened. You know, Bryce get hurt, Brennan Armstrong comes in, throws a short pass to Joe Reed, he takes off to the house. Those, that's the more victory piece from a coach's standpoint that you use the teaching points to show guys that you're ascending, you're getting better because in years past, you just got your ass whooped. So that's when folks look at more victories. It's like, no, that's, those are the teaching points. You always look for teaching points because as a head coach in college, or oh, period, you're a CEO. You have to go to your, 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 your workers and be like, hey, this is what you're doing. These are our, our, our data points right now. We're going to compare the quarters. And this quarter compared to that quarter, this is how we ascend it. So that's why you look at the pieces of the more victory of a Clemson and the more victory of this game. You can look at the more victory of Virginia Tech. I'm just showing you, hey, years past, they've been kicking your ass. Last year, they beat you 10 0. This year, you had a chance. You were right there. So that helped us this year. When they got the lead, that more victory of we were right there opposed to just getting dogged in Lane Stadium, helped us identify that, hey, man, we good. We've been here before. Bryce, I've been here before. Last year, I fumbled versus them. The more victory that is, I know what to do. I got to get off. I got to limit the turnovers. So you fast forward to this game. And I know I'm getting long winded, but I definitely wanted to hit on this point because I see a lot of folks that's like laughing and, and trying to troll, you know, outside our fan base. And even some fans don't understand the more victory piece and even former players. Players, us, we don't believe in more victory because we're very prideful. We're very competitive. But in the end, you still identify what you did well in spite of the loss and what you can improve on. That's the definition of a more victory. You're not settling You're being real with yourself. You're holding yourself accountable. Yeah, DBs you didn't tackle. But what can you pull away from that? You continue to compete. Right. You didn't get into the dumps. But you know what you got to work on. The accountability accountability piece is going to challenge you to become great. And work on the things you have to work on. So as a coach, people, you know, you hear the commentator say, well, I never heard a coach really, you know, put that out there. Why are people so afraid of the truth when they want to hear the truth? Don't we get tired of the PC jargon from coaches and players? But when somebody finally tells the truth, they say, well, I wouldn't have said that. Why? Why not? That's transparency. That's being real with yourself. That's what you want. So that's why I applaud Bronco for saying, yeah, it's more victories at this state of our program because they're trying to ascend. Now, once you reach a certain level, like Clemson's not going to have a more victory or just get into another championship. It's because they won it before. So you you etch out the more victory on that level. That's the highest level. Once you reach the highest level, program wise, no, there is no more more victories. You're the champ now. You're not a fourth of that anymore. Because you reached the cusp of it. You feel what I'm saying? So if you're still building and you haven't truly arrived yet, once this program truly arrives, then yes. In 1998, when we lost to Georgia in the, in the Peace Bowl, we didn't have any more victories because we were already on that level. That was the expectation For us, being ranked in the top 10 that year. Like, so you didn't see us have more victories. Oh, we almost beat Georgia. No, because the expectation for us was to beat them from everybody. And from the program standpoint, everybody, let's be real. Your expectation wasn't to beat Florida. Your expectation was to put up a great showing. And I know it hurts for me to say this out loud. I know y'all like, oh, I can't believe you really said that, Boho. Let's keep it a stat. We lose... We lose uh, Bratton. We lose Bryce Hall. We lose uh, Brenton Nelson. Then we lose Jordan Mack. That's four starters on defense. Versus the number nine team in the country. So, yes, you want to compete and give yourself a chance to win. That's the expectation. To give yourself a chance to win because of the injuries and because of guys having to rally around and basically be perfect just to have a chance so that's the expectation but when you know you got your full dogs out there you ain't gonna have no more victories because you expect to win so that's when you pull the teaching point out man that's what I means because you're building the confidence for those players that's returning that probably won't be starters next year. like it'll be interesting to see who's going to start in the secondary next year you got Devontae Cross returning. You got Chris Moore returning. You got Joey Blunt returning. Bratton coming off an injury. You got Heskin Smith. You got Nick Grant who started. You got Jalen Baker who's a top flight young corner. You got a couple top flight young corners that ain't touched the field. You got Kerry who was a safety that got hurt. So it's going to be a lot of competition back there. Then you got the linebackers, all of them. I mean, Nick, Nick Jackson has played a lot this year, has started games. Basically, Zayn is coming back, Noah coming back, Snowden coming back. I don't know if Schneider could, could get another year or not. Is Gam coming back? I think Gam is coming back. But just look at, that's why you pull the more piece, a.k.a. the teaching piece out because everybody is returning. You got more returning than you're losing as far as when you're looking at who you're adding in and out. Offensively, the whole offensive line is returning. So if you could go to that offensive line and, like, morally, you was going against one of the most potent pass rushes in the game, and it took them to start. Look, in the second half, Florida started using wide nine alignments, meaning they were having their outside ends in a nine technique way outside, and then they were taking their 2D tackles and basically putting them in fives, not three techniques, but they were shading them close to the tackle And then to snap the ball, they were slanting to the A-gaps. And then they had a spy waiting because they wanted to keep Bryce in the pocket. But that exposed a lot of deficiencies they had on the back end. That's why you started seeing in the fourth quarter, Bryce and Coach Anais started picking them apart. Hasis Dubois, we saw the matchups. We're going to keep Hasis in the slot. We're going to eat up their third best defenders. Barbecue chicken time. That's what time it is. Damn putting eight on the edge. We're going to put eight in the slot. We're going to put Joe in one of the slots. We're going to spread them out. We're going to motion. We're going to use some trickeration. The touchdown to Joe was a great trickeration. Right? But even with Coach Anani, just look at his evolution as a play caller. Yes, he has low moments in games. I think every, I think majority of the offensive coordinators in America. You're going to have a low, either series, two series, maybe a quarter, but sometimes that's a setup. Sometimes you get ahead of yourself. But sometimes your opponent just does a great job of taking things away that you thought were going to be there because you're, you're, you're trying to guess. It's an estimation you're making, you know, as a play caller. Looking at the game film, looking at the tendencies, I feel like they're going to be in this coverage, this down the distance, so this is what we're going to run. That's what happens a lot of times. So... Look, man, I know this got long-winded, but hopefully you understood a lot of the points that I shared with you guys. But the but the more victory points... Oh, oh, and another thing, and another thing. I got to talk about... Look, we got to talk about something else. Matter of fact, I'm going to let my homie Petty Hawk talk about this one subject because he pissed off. So, Petty Hawk, take it away.
1: Yeah, 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 ball hawk. You know what it is. We got to talk about the Gatorade cramps, okay? How are you... The Florida Gators, the creators of Gatorade, your two scientists, created this sports drink that's supposed to help with electrolytes in your system to keep your muscles hydrated, fluids in you, in your veins, and your muscles pumping at 100 miles an hour. How every time UVA get a big play, get into the red zone, y'all cramping up, and then your player magically appears on the field a play later, like his helmet got knocked out. Come on, man. I can't respect that. We don't do that. That's petty, petty. Like, I'm petty hog. I identify. My petty radar was going off like, wait a minute. And even Coach Mendehall looked at the ref was like, come on, fam. This is what we doing? Is this really what we're doing? But, hey, hey, I know it's in the, within the confines of the rule, but when you got to toe the line of the injury bug, something wrong with you. It really is. Like, that. This, that's discouraging. Cause you're making your players look bad, so you got to put it on the head coach. Like that's what y'all teaching, fam. That's what we teach. I mean, you big bad Florida, you know, you know, top ten team in the country, fourteen point favorite. You got to resort to tactics like that. That's bush league. See, bo hawk ain't gonna call y'all, but petty hawk, I'm gonna be petty. And that's bush league. So while you out here talking your talk and things like that, realize the dude number two is a terrible actor. How you get a cramp in a leg that's relaxed? Majority of the time when you get a cramp, it's because the muscle is engaged and it's trying to pull on and receive more oxygen and it grabs and nothing's there. But the leg that was relaxed, you were getting up with your right leg and your left leg cramps up. How you fell was even whack. You should never play in the movie. Oh, yes, got me. You one of them dudes that took. Three minutes to die, like in the old naked gun movies. Oh, you shot me. Oh, like OJ used to die. Going down the escalators and stuff. That's all I got, bog man. And then, no, that's all I got. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna do you like that, ball Hawk. So carry on.
0: Alright, man. Y'all heard Petty Hawk? Petty Hawk got that petty radar, man, so yeah. He 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 got every right to be upset. Cause yeah, man, that 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 cramp tactic, and I'm saying that in air quotations, I can't get jiggy with that. I cannot get jiggy with that. But yeah, man. Um, I'll do more podcasts recapping the the the, the season. Uh, definitely, you know, got to do some hooves on the line with the uh, with the with the senior class that's leaving. Salute to all the seniors. Thank you for all your hard work. For the way you transformed this culture, you took the took the challenge from the coaches. You exceeded all expectations, man. Um, you guys are legendary. I mean, I, I know how it feels to be on the cusp of. of basically almost having 10 wins like I said I missed my opportunity in 1998 versus Georgia versus Champ Bailey and Quincy Carter all them guys but um you know what you what you did to get to this stage uh your legacy is cemented and the example you set for the next era is outstanding This was a great way to end the era, you know, because we'll be in 2020 next year. So salute to the seniors, man. Salute to the coaching staff for a great season. Um, I respect the moral victory stance because I understand as a coach and and as a CEO of a company, how you have to use the teaching points to help elevate your staff to that greatness level that you want to get to. man. It's the Ballhawk Show. Good. Is the enemy a great? Be great in everything that you do. We out.